0: Hi there. You're listening to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City podcast. I'm Pastor John Witham. This sermon, The Way of Rest, is from 2 February 2020. The scripture is Matthew 11:28 through 30, and it is the first of four messages on the ways of Jesus. Thank you for listening, and may the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Earlier this week, I was looking at um, Instagram, it's an app on your phone that shows you pretty pictures or awkward pictures or just pictures that people have taken. And I follow the the Oregon Department of Tourism because they post pretty pictures of Oregon. I'm a simple person who enjoys looking at pretty pictures of things. I don't know, I felt really terrible that I missed this. We, we missed one of the great national holidays. I, did you hear about this? There, there, there was one this week, I didn't know we had missed it. It was National Plan Your Vacation Day. Tuesday was January 28th, is National Plan Your Vacation Day. I didn't know that was a thing until I woke up Tuesday morning and was looking at the Travel Oregon Instagram account. And they put a, as I was, you know, Tuesday I'm starting to think through the sermon and, and start to, you know, transition from last week to next week. And so as I'm, as I'm thinking about this, an interesting t- statistic uh, showed up on their, their page and then, you know, if, if you've got Facebook or social media, you'll see something, and then the next time you look at your phone, it's gone, and you can't find it again. So I had to message the, the Oregon Department of Tourism to find out this fact, because it, it astonished me. In the United States, last year, 768 million, 768 million vacation days paid vacation days went unused. 768 million, 9.6 million of them were in Oregon. Now, I have no idea how they figure that out. That's, that's not my concern. But nonetheless, it speaks to a deep and unhealthy relationship that we have in our country, with work. And I know the title of the sermon behind me is The Way of Rest, but if we're going to talk about rest, I have to talk about work for a second. And we have such unhealthy attitudes about work. We have been told all our lives that this, this message that we get, is that who we are as human beings is determined by the quality of the work that we do, or the amount of work that we do, or the type of work that we do. Because we we have this priority, don't we? We have the jobs that we think, you know, these are are the jobs that you aspire to. If you really want to make something of yourself, you need to do these jobs. You know, doctors, attorneys, um, computer, Programmers and, and people of that. My grandmother begged me when, when she heard that I wanted a degree in journalism. She begged me to be a computer programmer. She said, go into something that's actually useful. And <laughs> and I think that's a very low view of journalism. <laughs> but I don't regret it. I've I've I really enjoyed my getting my journalism degree. But we have these these high jobs, and then we have the low jobs. Uh, garbage collector, I think, or sanitation engineer is, is the more, uh, you know, high sounding name for it. Garbage collector, plumber, you know, people who fix things. We usually put them down, and so we get this message that that work defines us. When we look at the scriptures, we get a slightly different view. And we see that God's people have had a long and complicated history with work. Because they started off, the the beginning of, of the story with God's people is a story of working too much. Pharaoh was the head of the empire of Egypt and pharaoh was a deeply insecure man and pharaoh felt the need for israel or for egypt to be number 1 pharaoh's chief concern was with the greatness of egypt and he was afraid that if they took a minute off if they had 1 minute that they weren't working that they would fall behind that if production was not kept up, that the greatness of Egypt would be diminished. That if they didn't continually build storehouses for grain and monuments to their gods and and monuments to themselves, that their legacy as, as Pharaoh would be diminished. So Pharaoh looks at this group of people who came into Egypt as immigrants during a time of hardship in their land. And that was God's people, Israel. They came in when there was a famine in the land because they needed food. And so they show up in Egypt, hands out, but Joseph was there. And Joseph knew Pharaoh, and Pharaoh was well acquainted with Joseph. And so Joseph made sure that God's people, Israel, were taken care of. But times change. Pharaohs change. Joseph dies. And now the new Pharaoh doesn't know God's people. And so he incites fear against God's people. And he incites hatred against God's people. And he enslaves them. He puts them to work. He says, you're going to make bricks. They're going to make bricks for these monuments to the greatness of Egypt. They're going to make bricks for these storehouses that Pharaoh is filling up because he's afraid that if they're shown as lacking, it will diminish Egypt's greatness. There's no rest For God's people, there's no time off for God's people. There are zero paid vacation days for the Israelites in Egypt. So they cry out to God because there's too much work, because they're being enslaved not just by their bodies, but in their souls. And they've taken this burden into their souls through their bodies. So God delivers them through Moses and Aaron and Miriam. God delivers them and leads them out of Egypt and into, well, first the desert, and then eventually a good land that he had promised them. But one of the first things that he does in the law is lay out the sabbath and for a people who were constantly enslaved the sabbath was revolution if you've never had a vacation a paid vacation day in your life then to be told you're going to get one once a week is incredible it was such a gift To God's people. And he says. No work. On the Sabbath. Rest. Honor the Lord your God. And enjoy. The things that the Lord has given you. I tell you all of that. All of that history. Is so you can know the background. Of where. Jesus is coming from. Here. Because you have all of that, and you have hundreds of years of debate because we're humans and we can't just let anything be uncomplicated. We are chronic overthinkers. And so they spent hundreds of years debating what it meant to not work on the Sabbath. They couldn't just leave well enough alone. And so they had talked it to death. Enter Jesus, who tells God's people, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. See, the way of Jesus is different from the way of the world. As I've said many times before, the ways of the kingdom of God are entirely different than the ways of the world. And as followers of Jesus, we live into these ways now because these are the ways of God's kingdom eternally. And in God's kingdom, there is rest. And now, we need to be living a lifestyle of rest. When our lives are defined by work, they will be lives that are constantly struggling and striving to be good enough. We won't be able to accept that we are blessed by God, that we are called by God to do the things that that we're gifted and, and talented to do, and instead will be defined by the number of tasks we think we ought to be completing or the quality of tasks we think we ought to be completing. Living a lifestyle of rest in Jesus means considering three things. First of all, it means considering our burdens. Now, Jesus here uses the collective you. He is speaking to all who have come to him who are weary. And I think all of us at times are weary. And our world around us is weary. Because they have received a message too. The same message about work That we have. But part of our call as people of God's kingdom. Is to invite the whole world. Into this rest that we have through Jesus Christ. Into these ways of Jesus. And so we are invited by Jesus to lay down our burdens. When Jesus uses the word burden. He uses the language of Rome, actually. Um, If you've ever heard the phrase, the tax burden on a person, this is the type of burden that Jesus is talking about here. And if you've got a heavy tax burden, what do you have to do? Work. Because you can't avoid it. You have to pay the taxes or else you get thrown in jail. And then you still have to find a way to pay your taxes. And so Jesus says my burden is easy and we think I like that because with Jesus the only burden we carry are those things that aren't yet turned over to him. There's parts of our lives that are still living in rebellion to God's kingdom. There's parts of our lives that still acknowledge the ways of the world. Our striving, our our need to consume, our need to produce, our need to be great. Collectively, as God's people, we need to lay that down. We need to accept that God is good And that Jesus welcomes us into his rest. To lay those burdens down. All Jesus asks is for our lives and for our worship. That's the burden. Jesus also uses the word yoke. He says, take my yoke upon you, let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at, your, at heart. Yoke, we're switching gears now, is a Hebrew religious term for rabbinic teaching. The, the Pharisees were a group of rabbis that had a, a particular way of teaching the law, and they would call it their yoke. Yoke isn't just something that a team of, of, ox, of oxen would wear, you know, a, a big heavy strap of wood that would keep them together. It was also a big heavy piece of wood that a person could wear on their shoulders that you could tie buckets to and carry water. You could carry grain in the buckets. It would be something that would help you do the chores you had to do every day. It's something that would help you do your work. But it was heavy. And one of the great pleasures in life at that time was when you could take this yoke off and lay it down at the end of your day, at the end of your labors. And Jesus says, My yoke is light, my teachings are easy. For about 10 years, I've had a, an ongoing dialogue with a friend about the scriptures and we will study the scriptures weekly and he'll bring something and I'll bring something and we'll, we'll talk about them. And he goes kind of on a, a cycle um, where he, he goes through the scriptures about once every three years. And he comes back to, every time he comes to the scripture, he says the same exact thing. He says, but Jesus' teachings aren't easy. Jesus' teachings are very difficult. And every three years I say the same thing. They're only difficult in compared to the ways of the world. Jesus' teachings only cause friction when we're trying to harmonize Jesus' teachings with the ways that our world wants to live. That's when they rub together. That's when they chafe. That's when the yoke chafes against our shoulders. Because Jesus leads us in the way of life that we were designed to live. In the creation narrative in Genesis 1, God takes the opportunity every day to observe what he has created and bless it. And then at the end of all creation, he looks over everything and he blesses it and he takes a day to enjoy it. So when we see the, te- when we hear the teachings of Jesus, when we see the ways of Jesus, these are the ways that lead us into life. These are the ways that lead us back to our original way that we were supposed to live. And those ways are light, but the rest of that sentence, let me teach you because I am humble and gentle heart at heart and you will find rest for your souls. If Jesus is Lord, and if we are following the ways of Jesus instead of the ways of our world, we will find rest. Now this isn't rest as the world offers, where you take a break so that you can go back to work, This isn't rest so that you can, you know, grab a sip of water in between tasks. This isn't a half hour paid lunch break. When Jesus says you will find rest, what Jesus is saying is you will be able to see things in the right order. You'll be able to see things in the right way. And those heavy burdens... that, that burden that you can never pay back will be lifted. That friction between the ways of God and the ways of the world will be gone. And you will be able to recognize what God has done, what God is doing, and you'll be able to sit back and say, it is good. But this is the way of Jesus, and this is not the way of the world.